People like when I chew. <laughs> no, they do not. Never had a complaint. I spend so much time cutting out your chewing from the podcast. <laughs> That's fine. Um, <laughs> here we are again, chewing the fat. Oh, yeah. Chewing the cud. Talking about pornography. Talking about um, the law. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you think of the law? I know that it is uh, not necessarily aligned with morality. That's true. Uh, like, they're definitely, you know, like, and they're, uh, sometimes they're not even laws. They're just uh, social standards. Like washing your hands. <laughs> what do you think about washing your hands, boss? I uh, I believe in washing hands. You do it every time? You don't yes. ever forget? I don't think so. You've never forgotten? Not even once? I mean, I'm sure on the continuum of my life I have, but I didn't notice it. But has there ever been anyone there to, uh, to, to to get you when you didn't? No. Oh, That's not the way it is with me. Okay. Not anymore. <laughs> okay. I, uh... Forgot to wash my hands, and I, somehow I got snitched on. Where at, at work? work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't even remember it, but uh, apparently I just I, I forgot to wash my hands, which I accept is is gross. I get it. I was in the bathroom, but you don't gotta tell on someone. We're not children. Yeah, but it's uh, messed up. But no, uh, the. The guy at the urinal, I think maybe he tried to yell at me when I was leaving, but I had my earbuds in, and I hate him anyway, so <laughs> I ignore him. Uh, he told my manager, and now I'm concerned my manager thinks I'm just the person who doesn't wash his hands, <laughs> and now I'm going to have to find, uh, probably have to find a new job. Great. <laughs> yeah. So I need to borrow, like, $4,000. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it was down on the fact that you had one of your coworkers just watching you. Yeah. Have you ever been much of a watcher? Have you ever seen... I've watched. Have you ever seen anything filthy that you weren't supposed to see? Oh, yeah. Uh. Oh, yeah, yes. One time I got shit in the sink at work. <laughs> my old job <laughs> I didn't want to see that <laughs> and I think it's fucked up that that guy never got in any kind of trouble was that a co-worker or like a patient at the psych hospital uh, no this was at I think this was at UPS this was at UPS oh really yeah someone had just <laughs> blasted ass into the sink <laughs> and they dropped their keys <laughs> So I recovered the keys and gave them to someone, but I don't think anyone ever, I think they just decided that they were just not going to go back for those keys. They would just figure <laughs> something else out. <laughs> but no one told on them. No one saw that. And here I am. <laughs> Hands, mostly clean, 80, 85%, I'll say. I go and, you know, I go and blast hand sanitizer on myself later after I leave the bathroom. Are we talking number one or number two? 
Well, he did number two in the sink. <laughs> no, I understand that. I mean, when you didn't wash your hands. Uh, you know, a little bit of both. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I don't think I've seen that before. I the one thing that I thought of, which was completely different than what you brought up, was that uh, my parents moved into a new house when I was thirteen or fourteen, and uh, my bedroom was on the upper floor mm-hmm. with the second floor. And uh, there was a window that looked out towards our neighbor's house. And our neighbors, they were a couple probably in their 30s. They had a young kid. But their bedroom was facing my bedroom. And uh, sometimes they didn't close their curtains. Oh, yeah. But I don't think I ever saw anything. But I looked. You did. You tried. Yes, as as the perverse... 14 15 year old i was at the time i would look out every once in a while just hoping that i would catch a glimpse of something filthy going on next door and i don't think that i ever did unfortunately so it's not a great story right but it's a story of me being the voyeur it yeah and mine was a story of me running afoul of uh (laughs) the powers that be and ending up just a sicko (laughs) (laughs) much like in today's classic film the voyeur yes so this is voyeur from 1985 directed by chuck vincent who um i don't think that we've covered anything he did he did a lot of sex comedies in the 80s that weren't Mm -hmm. pornos right um i saw one that he did called hot t-shirts uh which was uh, i mean it wasn't necessarily fantastic but it was an entertaining enough sex comedy and i think that sex comedy yeah i think that at one point uh uh oh fuck what's his name drink a mile of piss guy showed up oh uh bobby astor bob yes i think bobby astor showed up i think he might have been like a a dj at a nightclub or something in there he didn't have like a meaningful role Mm -hmm. but uh he showed up, and that's really what matters. He came to work, and uh, the world was better for it. Yes. Uh, that's Chuck Vincent. That's Chuck Vincent for you. Well, actually, that's Bobby Astor, I guess. Yeah, Bobby Astor was uncredited as a bartender. Ron Hud was uncredited as an audience member. Uh, Kelly Nichols was in it as a cheerleader. Randy West was in it mm-hmm. as Gabe. He had an actual named role, although I don't think he was one of the leads. Okay. So yeah, there's uh, there's some porno names in there, and I'd imagine there's probably more porno names in his other non-porno films, and that's yeah. wonderful. Apparently he also worked, uh, had Veronica Hart in quite a few of them as well. Okay, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, he also directed the film Warrior Queen. Oh. With uh, Sybil Danning. Oh, yeah. I've not seen that, but I've uh, I've seen the poster. I've seen The Howling, too, and she's in yeah, that. I have seen that. Yeah. You see her tits a bunch at the end. Oh, Donald Pleasance is in Warrior Queen and Samantha Fox. 
what a film with yeah. Samantha Fox and Donald Pleasance. And she he beats her to death with a baseball bat. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, <laughs> but anyway, Voyeur is not any of those movies that we were talking about. No, but it was important. We got, we get to get a little bit, we get a little silly there. Yeah. So in Voyeur, we have, uh, Jack Wrangler here, uh, Tyja Ray, Sharon Kane shows up for a bit, George Payne. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our lead is Robert Bullock, who I'm not too familiar with, uh, and Sherry St. Clair uh, does a lot of the heavy lifting in the sex scenes. Um, we also have uh, Tish Ambrose, Michael Knight, Frank Cerrone, and uh, others filling out the cast of uh, characters here. Uh, this is a really interesting movie, I think. Uh, it has a, a thriller vibe to it. It really takes you along for a ride. It makes you question what's happening. And, yeah. uh, you know, unlike a lot of the films that we cover... Uh... You liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more or less. So No, I, I understand where you're coming from this narratively definitely... speaking there's there's a lot more substance here than in a lot of the films we cover yeah there's definitely more to uh more to uh you know uh pick over here than there is and say uh, uh debbie does dallas part two right uh one of the things that uh chuck vincent's in the category section down like at the bottom on his wikipedia page uh-huh he is included in the list of American people of Maltese descent. Okay. That's why they called him the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. That's exactly why they called him that. <laughs> I guess that that explains everything. Great. But Does yeah, it? so uh, we get a, a, tell, a tale of a man who is forced to watch and then demands to watch. And... Uh, for those reasons, he is much like the raincoat audience, always watching. They listen. They listen because they want to watch. Yeah, they're not allowed to watch. <laughs> We've forbidden them from seeing these films. Anytime anyone asks me where they can find them, I tell them they can't. Yes. The only way you can get this content is if you keep listening to us. <laughs> it's all lost media. So yeah, Chuck Vincent, Voyeur, 1985. It's an interesting ride and one that I'm excited to take you, the listener, on. Yes. With me, boss. The Voyeur. The Voyeur. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to take a, a quick break in a moment, I suppose. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break and then we're oh. going to look in all my neighbor's windows oh, and then we'll be back to talk more about Voyeur. And I'm going to wash my hands. Okay. <laughs>
been there any food, so I've been doing a lot of chewing. Yeah. Had to wait a long time to start because Jeremy couldn't stop chewing. These chips are really good, though. They are good chips. And I've eaten most of them. Okay. They were just sitting over here in this chair full of clothes. No one else is going to eat them. Uh, yeah, we were munching on them like three weeks ago, and they got put over there, and I forgot about them. No, but if mine. you're enjoying them, that's great, because I probably would have found them in like a month and then just thrown them away. So Yeah, I'll eat whatever you don't. Whatever you throw away, I'll eat it. <laughs> that's my guarantee. <laughs> Well, my guarantee today is that we're going to talk about Chuck Vincent's foyer. And uh, we're going to do so by talking about how it opens. For we open on a taxi cab driving down some filthy New York streets. This is before, of course, New York got cleaned up and ruined. Mm -hmm. I was watching, uh, I was at home on a weekday recently. I was off of work for whatever reason. And the price of the Price is Right was on, and one of the um, one of the prizes they were showing included a trip to New York mm -hmm. that included a hotel, a fancy hotel room in Times Square, and they showed today's Times Square there, and I was like, man, this was like the seventies Times Square. No, that would have been an interesting place to be. They weren't going to send you there back yeah, then. Yeah, probably <laughs> not. No, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to go see Rent or whatever. I want to go see Voyeur. I want to see Voyeur. I want to see... Uh, I want to see Corruption on the big screen. I want to see Crawl Space. I don't care about <laughs> Rent. Fair enough. So our cabbie here is Julius Kurtz, played by Robert Bullock. Mm-hmm. He picks up his fare, and there's a, a man with the uh, with a lady of the night with him. Except Though it's it the is day. Yeah, the day. It is yes. the day. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, this is Quentin Jones, played by Jack Wrangler. And uh, his hooker here, uh, who is not named, is played by Sarah Bernard. He tells Julius that he wants to go to the Sheridan. But the hooker tells him that she's just going to do it in the car. The cabbie says that you better be a big tipper. And the hooker tells Julius not to count on it. So the hooker sitting next to Quentin sucks his cock pretty hard for a few minutes. And then Quentin strokes his cock to finish on a white handkerchief. I feel like the hooker should have been doing the stroking here at the very least to finish him off. Well, that's the kind of service you get when you don't leave a tip. I guess that's true. Even just the tip. Oh, yeah. Would be enough. The hooker has to be let out, and Julius locks the door. She demands he let her out, and Julius responds, Not until you give the jerk back his wallet. The hooker looks defeated, and she says, A girl's gotta make a living, and hands Quentin back his wallet. Quentin then gives Julius a new address, and looks at his posted ID to identify his name of Julius. Quentin then recognizes Julius. He says, You used to be a cop who got in trouble for being on the take. But Julius adds, Apparently his whole, 
his whole precinct was like that, and he was the only one who took the fall for it. Yeah, they set him up. Quentin says that he must have had a bad lawyer, noting that he's a lawyer, and he could have gotten him off. Quentin then asks Julius if he likes being a cabbie, and Julius goes on a sarcastic tirade, making it clear that he doesn't. Including him always getting dumb questions like this. Quentin then asks why Julius doesn't quit, and Julius tells him that nobody will hire a corrupt ex-cop. Quentin then suggests that perhaps Julius could be a private detective. He responds that he can't get a license because he's a felon. And Quentin suggests that he could just do the research. Quentin suggests sometimes he gets clients that need research for things like divorces and lawsuits. And Quentin notes that he has a client that needs research right now and asks if Julius might be interested. Julius says could be. And Quentin gives Julius his card and tells him to call him tomorrow. So we then cut to Julius with Shelly, played by Tyja Ray. They're naked in the tub together. Shelly's giving him a hard time for being hesitant to take this opportunity that Quentin gave him, despite him uh, being miserable in his current cabbie job. Shelly notes that Julius has shut out the whole world following his legal issues with the cops, including his friends, and Shelly tells him that he should open up the door, at least a crack, and take a peek. Uh-oh. We cut to Quentin telling Julius in his office that it'll make $100 a day plus expenses, though he notes uh, that he should not include booze in his expenses. Quentin tells Julius that he's supposed to investigate Lauren Aldrich, and gives him her address. Quentin adds that's all they know about her, but their client wants to know more. Where's she from? What are her money sources? Who are her friends? And who does she fuck? All good questions. Questions we'll come to have answers to, perhaps. Perhaps. Or perhaps we'll be led deeper in, much like our good friend Julius. Quentin says that Lauren is buying up a lot of stock in a company owned by the client. What she's doing is legal, but the client is worried she could put him out of business. Julius then asks for an advance from Quentin. Quentin adds that they want as much of her on videotape as they can get. Julius then says that's a big expense and he'll need at least two grand. We then cut to Julius with his new camera. Excited as Shelly is doing 80s exercises on the floor. Some sort of aerobics or whatever. Mm -hmm. Julius is trying the camera out, getting close-ups of her crotch and boobs. Shelly asks to try out the camera herself. And she grabs it and Julius pulls out his cock. Shelly calls him a perv. She does get a close-up of it and says she wishes it was that big in real life. He tells her it is that big, and she can make it bigger. Julius mentions he's taking a leave from his taxi job, but hasn't officially quit. They decide to try out the camera, setting it up nearby to watch them as they start to make out and undress. We see a TV in the background where we get the camera shots of all this happening. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, it's disturbing, the things he does. 
Julius goes down on Shelly a bit and then tells her to take off her top. Then he says... Then he says, look at those tits. Wow, look at those tits. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, he licks and sucks on Shelly's breasts before going back to going down on her. And then he says, drink a mile of piss to see her pussy. <laughs> After a bit, she tells him to let her see his now. Julius drops his pants and Shelly starts to suck his cock, peering over to see the action on the TV. Shelly then says she wants to see it go in and out. Julius says that'll look good on camera. So Shelly bends over and Julius starts to fuck her in standing doggy. It's look this... at that, Julius says. Yeah, it's like an uh, it's like an American Psycho. Yeah, a bit. A bit. There's some other. There's another part later that kind of reminds me of a bit in American Psycho too. So this movie, uh, it's going some places. You'll see. Yeah. Doesn't that look great, Julius says, as he's fucking away for a bit, repeatedly talking about how good the camera is and mm-hmm. how it looks terrific. But also a bit like a Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, when they're just like rewatching their crimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eventually, he pulls out and comes on Shelly's ass. Shelly and Julius laugh and kiss. Julius says, that's so neat. We then cut to a trashy hotel. Julius is inspecting the hotel room and tells the guy there, a creepy bellhop named Max, that he'll take the room. Max moans about this being on the 23rd floor, but everybody seems to want the room with the view. Julius sets up a camera on a tripod and is watching the room across from him. Across from them is Lauren Aldrich's apartment, and we see Lauren there, uh, Again, played by Sherry St. Clair. She arrives with a man in a suit. And this is Donald Donaldson, as we'll later find out, played by Steve Reynolds. Julius puts on some headphones and points a microphone towards the apartment. Lauren is undressing completely for Donald there, who watches, having taken his coat off. Donald pulls a chair next to the bed and sits next to it as Lauren lays out her naked body on the bed. Lauren rubs her breasts as Donald watches in excitement. Lauren masturbates on the bed as Donald continues to watch and he just sort of hovers over her watching. Julius watches the watcher through his camera. Lauren seems to get off, and Donald turns off the lights and leaves. We then cut to Julius in his car. He's waiting around and watches as Donald and Lauren leave Lauren's place. Julius tails Donald's car for a bit, but ultimately he can't park where Lauren, where uh, the car stops, and uh, Lauren gets out. So he moves on to interrogating the doorman of Lauren's building. The doorman tells Julius, who shows him a picture of Lauren, that he doesn't really know that woman. She just moved in there and doesn't typically have visitors or get any mail. She pays her rent in cash. Julius asks the doorman about the chauffeur that's with her, and he says that he thinks the guy's her bodyguard or something. We then cut to Julius letting himself into Lauren's apartment and snooping around. Yes, he's... uh putting all of the old 
Trixie learned as a cop thieves. Yeah, so he's setting up some uh, audio recording bugs around. He seems to put them in places that don't seem that well hidden, but I've never bugged a room, so I don't know. Yeah, he puts one on top of like a picture frame and another one on top of the uh, headboard of the bed. Just putting them right on top of there. Yeah. Not really behind. But, uh, you know, maybe that's the difference because the audio he recordings he gets are uh, they're pretty clear. He rubs his hand across her bed and then looks through the bedstand drawers and finds nothing. Julius looks through her closet and says, What the fuck is this? No personality or nothing. Yeah, all the clothes still have like tags on them. Yeah. It looks like. Julius finally stops to write something on the notepad nearby and goes to leave when he hears the doorknob rattling and has to hide under a table or something. Did you mention he took a cup as well? Uh, no, that yeah. explains a lot because I was wondering what... Yeah, he takes a, a cup that he finds and just kind of wraps it. And, Got it, yeah. yeah. Okay, because something wrapped comes into play later and I wasn't sure what it was, no. but I get yep. it now. Yep. Yep. So Lauren, Donald... And another man named Daniel, played by George Payne, shows up. Mm -hmm. Daniel is apparently making a statue of Lauren. He's a sculptor. Yes. So Lauren asks why he can't just use a photo. But uh, he mentions that, of course, it's better to have a live model. He apparently spends a couple of hours working on the statue of Lauren, and she tells him that they can finish up for the day, though Daniel notes he has another hour. Lauren then starts to rub Daniel's body, and he asks her if she's sure she wants to do that here. Lauren tells him that she and Donald don't have any secrets. He suggests that they might leave the room, but Lauren tells him they can do it right here. So then Daniel sits down on top of a glass table, Lauren notes his big cock as we get a shot from below the table of Daniel sitting down and Lauren grabbing his cock and licking his balls as Julius watches from below. The table, when it looks like he scrambles under it, it doesn't look like a glass top table. Right. And also, I don't know if he'd be able to effectively hide beneath the glass top table for two plus hours. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Donald Donaldson is just not very attentive, I guess. So she sucks and strokes Daniel's cock for a bit. Then we see Lauren face down on the table, being eaten out from below by Daniel. Eventually, Daniel pushes his cock inside of Lauren and fucks her from behind as she continues to lay face down on the table. Daniel fucks her pretty hard as she demands he keeps pounding it in and uh, to give her that hard cock. Daniel pulls out eventually and comes all over the glass table. One of them drops a ring or something on the floor and it rolls under the table and Julius sort of knocks it out from under the table and Lauren grabs it. Yeah. Lauren and Daniel head to the shower and Donald's told to get them towels. When everyone leaves the room, Julius sneaks out of the apartment. We then cut to Julius watching the video he took earlier of Donald watching Lauren undress and masturbate. He's fast-forwarding through it and watching Donald watch her play with herself. Julius then takes the camera into his bedroom and uncovers Shelly, who's sleeping. Uh, he looks at her ass and gets a close-up of it with the camera. 
He then starts to pull down Shelly's panties and get a good shot of her ass. Shelly wakes up and asks him what he's doing. He tells her he's just playing with the camera, and she tells him to stop and to go to bed. They share what looks like a twin bed. (laughs) (laughs) So then we cut to Julius talking with a former co-worker, Frank, who is hesitant to do the favor that Julius is asking of him, until Julius brings up that the only reason that Frank's still on the force is that Julius took the fall for him. So Julius gives Frank Lauren's license plate number and asks Frank to run prints on apparently that glass that he wrapped up earlier. Yes. We then cut to Julius with Quentin, and he's asking Quentin what else he knows about Lauren. Quentin claims to know nothing. Julius demands to know who Quentin's client is, and uh, Quentin won't budge and tell him. But he offers to pay Julius $150 a day now. Julius demands 200 and Quentin agrees. We then see Julius watching Lauren's apartment again. But, uh, of course, now that the bugs are planted, he can hear what everyone's saying now. Lauren's talking to Donald when a man and woman show up, and they discuss setting up for a party. They talk food, flowers, and drinks. Donald is very particular about things, and Lauren seems a little bit more laid back. So this is Carson, played by Michael Knight, and Valentina, played by Tish Ambrose. Lauren asks Valentina for three specific flower arrangements, along with some roses in the john. Carson has Lauren taste some food, and then we cut to later. And Valentina and Carson are in more formal uniforms. Valentina asks Donald, noting it's after 8 o'clock, when the guests are arriving. Donald tells her soon. Lauren joins them soon after and offers Carson and Valentina drinks and toasts them to a pleasant evening. Lauren then asks them to try out the appetizers and Carson suggests that they should wait for the guests. Lauren says the guests are already here. Valentina says, with all due respect, they're not escorts. Lauren then hands them fat envelopes of cash and Valentina decides that they're happy to get to know her. Yeah. It's, uh, they're escorts now. It's that easy. We cut to them drinking and cheering, and soon we see Valentina naked getting whipped cream licked off of her breasts and vagina by Carson and Lauren. Valentina then spreads some sort of spread, I believe it's butter, across Carson's hard dick. Mm -hmm. She uses one of those little knives that they got. uh, She tells Lauren to eat it and eat his cock. And she does. Valentina notes that it tastes like corn on the cob. We cut to Valentina and Lauren making out as Carson takes turns going down on each of them as he's kneeling in front of them. We see Carson fucking Lauren and standing doggy on the balcony as Valentina kisses her chest and Donald sits and watches from inside. Lauren switches with Valentina and Carson Pounds away, fucking her for a bit. They swap again, and Carson fucks Lauren for a bit longer before pulling out and coming on her ass. Everyone makes out more on the balcony as Donald watches on from inside, and Julius watches them all from his camera. We then see... We then see Julius meeting with Frank, 
And Frank tells him that the car was registered to Donald Donaldson, who is clean, and he's licensed to carry a gun. He also notes that the fingerprints that he got didn't match anything they had on file. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to Julius making a bunch of phone calls, trying to learn about Lauren and getting nothing. How Donald Donaldson gets a gun and I don't? <laughs> That's a it, good question. It ain't right. Shelly yells at Julius for being obsessed over this job and says that he should go to bed. He tells her to go to bed. Julius then puts in the video from the three-way he just shot, and he's skimming through the video. There's a point where Carson points at the camera, and Lauren quickly turns Carson's head away from the camera and makes out with him. Fuck, they know, Julius yells. Yeah, he's been made. The lights all go out, and Julius yells, what happened? Shelly comes in and yells at him. That she pulled the fuse and tells Julius to go to bed. <laughs> oh, their relationship's getting strained. Indeed. It's becoming strange. And now their milk's going to go bad. Oh, yeah. It's true. <laughs> we Short, cut, short-sighted. <laughs> we got to Julius driving around the next day in a light rain. He's following Donald's car and watches Donald as he double parks and runs into a building where a cop brings out a man in handcuffs and dumps the handcuffed man into Donald's trunk. Toss him right in. Before Donald gets back into his car and just drives away. We see Julius excitedly getting back to his camera, and we see in Lauren's apartment she's sitting on the couch and watching as the prisoner demands to know what these people want with him. Donald has a gun pulled on him as this is going on. (laughs) Lauren explains that She does charity work, and every once in a while, she takes a deserving prisoner out on a day trip. She notes that by giving him a day of freedom, she expects something. We could have prisoner friends if he'd get me a gun. (laughs) She tells the prisoner that for four years, he's been storing something. A bunch of dynamite in those imprisoned balls of his. Yeah. She wants him to explode on her. Donald yells at the prisoner, asking if he understands, and the prisoner nods. The prisoner then rips off her clothes and says that what she needs is a hot cock. That it's been long since he's been outside, and he drags her to the balcony where he makes her get down and suck his cock. Donald watches on, sitting on the couch, as Lauren sucks and strokes the prisoner. The prisoner rubs his dick on her tits a bit we see Julius watching through the camera. The prisoner eats Lauren out as she lays back on the edge of the balcony. Uh, Then she plants a leg on the edge of the balcony and the prisoner eats her out from behind a bit. Uh, This is all dangerous. Yeah, it's all... Well, that's part of the thrill. Yeah, I guess that's true. But the prisoner starts to fuck her in a standing doggy sort of position. The prisoner dicks her down for a bit before we see Lauren back on her knee, sucking and stroking the prisoner. She strokes out a load from his cock, demanding that he give her that hot cum, and he obliges. We cut to Julius laying awake in bed later, then cut to another shot of Lauren's balcony and see Julius watching it from behind the camera. And then cut back to Julius in bed awake. We then cut back to Julius behind the camera. He walks over to a phone 
and calls Lauren's apartment, where we don't see anything through the windows, and the phone rings, but nobody answers. Julius then calls the operator, claiming his phone isn't working and giving Lauren's phone number. She says that it looks like it's working and connects him to phone repair. When Julius gets connected to phone repair, he tells the repair rep that his phone isn't working and confirms Lauren's number and address. The rep then asks, what is the issue, Mr. Jones? What? Julius asks, what? (laughs) And the rep confirms, this is Mr. Quentin Jones, right? And Julius says, yes. The... The... Things are getting weird. He tells the repair rep that he can't get outside calls, and they offer to send someone out between 9 and 5 tomorrow. We cut to Julius fast-forwarding through the fuck tapes he's recorded, seemingly pondering what's going on. We watch Julius pace around again, and then see him hovering around Shelly with the camera as she's asleep in bed. He squats down and starts to jerk off as he's watching her through the camera, which Shelly finds concerning when she awakens. Yeah, she's not a fan of, uh, of this behavior. Shelly asks what's wrong with him and says he's changed and he's a sick fuck. She yells at him to get out and that she won't be there tomorrow. She says that she hates him and doesn't love him anymore. She says she doesn't like him anymore. Oh. Uh, one thing about this scene is that Tyja Ray's not a great actress. No. Uh, this scene is like a kind of like a bigger like emotional moment, and I think maybe like a more competent uh, pornographic actri- actress could have handled it better. Probably, yeah. Uh, gave it a little bit more of the the emotional depth it probably required. Right. But uh, she doesn't like him anymore, and that's fine. Right. Uh, that, that's my main criticism of that scene. You know me. I'm classically trained. <laughs> so we cut to Julius at the bar. The barkeep wants to cut him off, but gets pressured into giving Julius another drink. Then a policewoman comes up behind Julius and grabs a hold of him, and she asks the bartender what's going on here. The bartender tells her that he's had too much to drink, and Julius says, I just asked for another drink. The policewoman, played here by Sharon Kane, Mm -hmm. grabs Julius and drags him into another room. This will happen to you um, now. They said it's only okay to have two beers a week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the... uh... Let me Google who said that. It's probably the CD. It's probably goddamn CDC. Well, what am I supposed to do now? I just drank two beers. That's all you get? Yes. Biden. Biden alcohol czar says U.S. may follow Canada. Limit beers to no more than two a week. They're going to take our goddamn beers. This is a nightmare. This is... This is going to make the raincoat report impossible to do. It's tough. I've had two already, and we've got one more episode. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's, uh, you know, probably shouldn't have more than two beers a week, but uh, it's going to happen. I don't know. They said that there's forever chemicals in all the drinking water, so now there's nothing to drink that isn't going to kill us. And The, the pe- diet sodas are full of aspartame, and it's yeah. going to give us cancer. Yeah, the water's full of forever chemicals. The yeah, beers full of uh, chalk. <laughs> Juice is full of sugar, and we'll get the beatus. Yeah, we're we're fucked. Can't drink nothing. 
So I guess they're just trying to trying to control our lives. And they this are. movie, this scene, this is what they want to do to us. Yeah, so the policewoman <laughs> throws Julius onto the ground, threatening him with the billy club. She asks if he wants her to do him a favor, and he says yes. She tells him, it's tough to be a cop, especially a lady cop, but cops have needs too. She then hikes up her dress and makes him bury his face in her vagina. She then stops and handcuffs his hands, noting that she doesn't want him trying to put his finger in her pussy. She says all she wants is his little tongue. She shoves his head into her crotch again. She moans and tells him to suck it. She then stops and calls him out on drooling and tells him that she's going to make him worship her. She pushes him onto the ground and straddles his face. She tells him she's going to make him respect it. Policewoman demands Julius get his tongue in there deeper as she lays her body back on his chest and she sucks the billy club in her hand. She shoves the handle of the billy club in his mouth. She asks if he wants to fuck her with his soft little dick. She tells him that he probably doesn't even have a dick. She makes him spit on the billy club and puts the handle of it in his mouth as she starts to fuck the nightstick on the other end, leaning back on a milk crate. I was expecting there to be, and thankfully there wasn't, I was expecting there just to end with a little more sodomy. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The policewoman asks, you want to fuck me? Well, this is as far as you're going to get, and she continues to fuck the nightstick. That's what they want to do to you if you have more than two beers in a week. (laughs) So we cut to Lauren's apartment, and we see uh, the statue. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's worth noting that this statue, a statue, a life-size statue, understandably wasn't within the budget of this film. They had something earlier that looked horrible, but it was closer to a statue. Well, this was definitely just uh, Lauren uh, painted or powdered gray. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) Julius lets himself into the place and is snooping around when the phone rings. Julius answers the phone, and it's the phone company calling Mr. Jones to make sure his phone line is working. Julius stops and looks at the statue, which is obviously slightly moving. Yeah, just ever so slightly back and forth he drops his pants and then just starts to masturbate right in front of the statue Mm -hmm. he strokes away for a bit before climaxing and blowing his load toward the crotch of the statue shaking his cock at it afterwards julius sinks to the ground crying he's lost it we cut to julius returning to his apartment to see the place totally turned over even the refrigerator is left open which is fucked up. Yeah. Well, all the food... Taisha Ray already ruined all the food. That's true. It's fine. <laughs> he paces around and then turns towards his VCR and yells, Fuck. Basically, all the tapes are gone. But he looks and sees that there is one tape left. Oh, I wonder which one they left. So he puts it into the VCR and hits play. And it's a video of Julius jacking off and coming in front of the statue taken, of course, from where Julius had been surveilling the apartment. Who the hell filmed it? We watched Julius watch himself come and sink to the floor. 
We then cut to Julius in Quentin's office, holding a lighter close to Quentin's face, threatening to burn it off. He tells him that he knows the phone was in his name. So Quentin finally admits that Lauren is the one that hired him. She offered him $10,000 to have someone follow her and tape her. Julius demands to know why, and Quentin says that he doesn't know, and that Lauren picked up all the tapes. Julius screams at Quentin, asking when he got the last check from her, and Quentin says it was just a couple of hours ago. So we see Julius arrive at Lauren's apartment again, but now it's totally empty. He paces around, peeking into a closet. Yeah, all those clothes are gone. It's all gone. He looks out to the balcony and walks out, looking across to the uh, the hotel room that he had been watching her from. I think this is also an American Psycho. He does go back to his like apartment at one point, like after he's done everything, and it's like, or maybe another apartment where he had killed someone. And it's mm. been like cleaned up and they're like having like a viewing for it to sell it off to someone else. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Brett Easton Ellis probably saw this. That makes sense. Yeah. So then we cut to He's see a pervert. Yes. So we cut to see Lauren watching the videos that Julius made on a large television as Donald sits behind her, repeatedly saying things about how someone was watching her and really getting off on her. The shot zooms out and we see that it's taken through a window. And as we zoom out fully, we see that Julius is watching her through the window with headphones on hearing what Donald's saying. Julius turns his head towards the camera with a look of confusion on his face. We get a freeze frame on him and credits. Yeah, he has become a voyeur. Indeed. And that, that was, was the voyeur. Yeah, that was it. That was it, wasn't it? Uh, so we're going to take a quick break here. going to watch a bunch of things in our neighborhood. I'm joining the neighborhood watch <laughs> after this one. And uh, we'll be back to give our final thoughts on voyeur. When you have the little placard they give you, you can just look in anyone's window and they can't stop you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's 4 a.m. Will you come to bed? In a minute. In a minute. Joyce, it's just a job. You're driving yourself crazy and you're driving me crazy. Will you come to bed? You go to bed, Shelly. to air fry me up some toaster treats <laughs> uh, i don't know how to do that well in that case uh, i guess it's just time for the raincoat review <laughs> what a film what a film indeed uh, i'm glad i chose this one it was uh it's been a while since we picked something that really uh tickled the old the brain. Yeah. It tickled my brain. Tickled the gray matter. Yeah, it got, got blood flowing not only to our dicks, but also our brains. Yeah, I had to think a lot. 
<laughs> now this one's a. It's a. I'd say among the films we've watched, there's other ones I could compare it to, but it's still a pretty unique film. Yeah, yeah. In the way it uh, sort of a, it has like a I feel like unlike uh, some films, it does have like a deeper thematic uh concept that it kind of sticks to and develops in a way that we don't see very often in adult films yeah uh and that of course is uh voyeurism uh maybe a bit more when we cover franco films sure just because of the nature of what he was getting up to but uh this one is uh it handles it in a a, a pretty uh unique way yeah you have him becoming this journey of this man who's a disgraced cop kind of uh, taking on a seedier life and becoming seedier himself throughout it. Yeah. Uh, just be kind of becoming uh, enmeshed and eventually obsessed with uh, the very act of watching itself. And uh, they do a, a pretty good job of building that throughout the film. Uh, you see it through the uh, disintegration of his relationship with Taija Ray. They do a good job, I think, starting that by having them have sex in front of the camera and having it be like a great time. Yeah, they're having a lot of fun at the beginning. Yeah. and uh, Things descend quite rapidly from there. Right. And it's one of the films where the sex in it is nice, but it also does serve like a greater purpose to kind of exploring the themes of the film. Sure. That you don't get too often uh obviously you have larry ravine which we didn't cover at the beginning he's director of photography on this oh that makes sense yeah that's why i was sending you his many books oh okay that makes <laughs> sense yeah 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 um so the film looks great on its own uh, and probably the man to have set up this kind of film to be honest it's a very nice uh, psychological portrait of a character similar to something like uh, like Water Power or a Climax of Blue Power. A lot of power. Anything where someone gets a little in over their head. Yeah. I like. Uh, similar to Corruption, too, in yeah. some ways. There's a similar kind of like a, a dark vibe to it. Yeah, it's a, it's a little less... Uh... It's not as abstract I yeah, think, yeah. as corruption is but uh you kind of get this guy who's gets in over his head with these deals he's making just to kind of try to get by right uh and i think all of that's very cool i think it's uh the kind of thing we don't get enough not often enough something to something to chew on as well as something to jack off to yeah <laughs> it's nice right yeah yeah um i would give this one a, a four stars okay uh, I think it's a competently uh, made film about a uh, a bit of a darker topic that still manages to have sex scenes that uh, are occasionally erotic. There's certainly some different stuff in here. Uh, like, I really don't feel like we've seen like a male rape scene the way we see in this one. Like, it's not the most brutal thing ever, but it is kind of a reverse of what you would normally expect. Yeah. Uh, and yet, still a cop doing it. Yeah, of course. Do you think she knew him? Do you think that's why she did it? 
Maybe. What did that do? Well, you know, I like this film overall. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's probably one I'll go back to consider again. Yeah, I think maybe, that... Maybe I'll watch it until I become obsessed. <laughs> no, I, I really like this one, too. I think that it's uh, it's good because it is mentally engaging as well as uh, just being erotic. And it's it, there's nice sloppy sex scenes in it, but uh, none of them stick around for too long. Uh, there's a lot of variations between the sex scenes. Mm-hmm. Things get kinky. Yeah. Um, you know, there's kind of the the femme dom bend of that police woman scene. Right. But there's like group sex with uh Lauren. Mm-hmm. There's the the playful relationship sex with uh Julius and Shelley earlier sure. on in the film. Yeah, yeah, there's a good um, variety of it. But we also get to see a man just kind of sinking into madness. Which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, usually. I always like that. Yeah, I enjoy it. Um, and it's it feels kind of... I always think that stuff like this feels kind of meta Yeah. in these sorts of films because pornography you, is a voyeuristic medium in itself. You feel that way because he turns and looks at you at the end? And you're like, uh, oh shit, he was watching me. Yeah. <laughs> He's watching me watch them. He's watching me watch him watch them watch them and then that one guy saw him yes it's confusing and who's watching who at the end of the day i think is ultimately what we need to figure out yes i always (laughs) feel like somebody's watching me yeah me too being spied on by my many enemies (laughs) but uh yeah at at work and at home (laughs) But yeah, by the time I was done watching this, I was driven mad by obsession with uh, seeing this, mm-hmm. and I watched it three more times after it was over as I paced back and forth in my basement. Just trying to figure it out. Uh, my girlfriend screamed at me to go to bed. Yeah, she said she didn't like you anymore, <laughs> yeah. and then she left and left the fridge door open. Yes. Uh <laughs> But no, I really liked it a lot. I think that it's... uh, I'm glad that you picked it out because it's something that I hadn't uh, considered watching, really. Yeah, I always like getting into into those kind of films. You know, I feel like there's a good... uh, I feel like thriller is kind of a good subgenre for porn. Yeah, for sure. Psychological thriller, especially... Yeah. You're already dealing with something intimate like sex. It's easy to like go a little bit further and get into someone's head and... Make him go a little crazy. Yeah. Uh, Whether you're a fake cop or a Karen in a beach house, you know, there's (laughs) always something there that'll make you a little nuts. Well, this film drove me insane, and for that reason, I'm giving it four stars as well. Yay. So, Uh, yeah, good job, Chuck Vincent. Yeah, thank you, Chuck Vincent, for all your work, and I'm sorry that you were Maltese. So, uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report, uh, patreon.com slash Raincoat Report. This Friday, uh, we are we are going through a variety of porn parodies, uh, some you may not expect. Few, few you, you could. A few you could, yes. Um, but, yeah, uh, and, of course, uh, just for $5 a month, you get that and, uh, you know, two bonus episodes each month and early access to our normal episodes, just patreon.com slash raincoat report. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, raincoatreport at gmail.com if you need to email us. The lady who hired the lawyer, she was also a voyeur. Yes. She was making him make videos of her so well, she could watch them. Well, see. And making her watch him. So, my take is this. Yes. It's not so much that she is a voyeur. It's more that Donald is a voyeur and she likes to be watched. Oh. So, she got off on being watched. And Donald likes to see her to doing watched. stuff. And at the end, Donald is telling her they were watching you and all of this stuff. So I think she was getting off on the idea of her being watched. Yeah. And now she has all the films. Yes. And she can relive that constantly. Yes. And for much cheaper than your usual pornographic adult film price at the time of $70 a video. Yes. (laughs) She's cutting out the middleman and just making her own stuff. What a way to live life. What a way to live life. And uh, we too have, are making our own stuff. Like this podcast and our <laughs> Patreon podcast. <laughs> right. And um, raincoats. We're making raincoats now. I bought a factory in Belize. <laughs> so if you're going to Belize, don't forget your raincoat. You can buy them directly from the factory. Yeah, you can. I'll give you a tour. 